Welcome to Amona Moment, a podcast hosted by the Museum of Northwest Art in Laconner, Washington. This week on Mona Moments, we will be hearing from Susan Park, the director emeritus and curator of the current exhibitions, Continuum, Works from the Permanent Collection, and Continuum, Works from the Herb and Lucy Prusan Collection. Susan will be speaking about the background of these exhibitions and giving insights into their development. We hope you enjoy this Mona Moment. Susan Park. I was executive director and or curator of collections and exhibitions at MONA from 1990 through 2007. When Joanna asked me to curate an exhibition from MONA and the Prusan collections, I didn't hesitate too long. Here was the chance to tell an old story with a new slant. As I looked at the 2,500 images of work in the permanent collection, there were less than 100 in 1990, I started to see a thread running through many of the works, a link that could be traced back to the mystics. For the most part, I yanked on this thread in selecting this show. Continuum is an edited visual history of art of the Pacific Northwest from about the 1930s to almost the present. The story unfolds with works from our permanent collection featuring the original Northwest mystics, Morris Graves, Mark Toby, Kenneth Callahan, and Guy Anderson. The next chapter explores their contemporaries and the artists who then followed. Then, What seemed like a fairly cohesive artistic expression blossoms into the diverse offerings of Northwest art today. Today's artists are not constrained by the myths and mysticism of the past. This latter view, for the most part, is shown in the selections from Herb and Lucy Prusan's collection. Although their excuse me, extensive collection includes magnificent work from the earlier period, this exhibition focuses on the newish work not well represented in Mona's collection. Prior to 1953, the Northwest was considered by the rest of the country, especially New York, as a boring backwater when it came to visual art. Then Life magazine, in September 1953, published an article that changed our, our, our art history forever. It identified four Northwest painters as embodying a new regionalism based on a, quotation, mystical feeling towards life and the universe. The article read, in part, For more than a decade, a remarkable art of lines and symbolic forms has been coming out of the northwest corner of the U.S., stirring up storms of irritation and enthusiasm in the galleries of New York, London, and the continent. Produced by a variety of artists living around Seattle, the paintings range from realistic to non-objective. Yet, they have one characteristic in common— They embody a mystical feeling towards life in the universe. This mystical approach stems partly from the artist's awareness of the overwhelming forces of nature, 
partly from the influence of the Orient, whose cultures have seeped into the communities that line the north, the U.S. Pacific coast. The artists singled out were Mark Toby, Morris Graves, Kenneth Callahan, and Guy Anderson. This magazine article turned out to have historic consequences. There was a new recognition about what was happening artistically in our own backyard, even though Seattle Art Museum, under the leadership of Dr. Richard Fuller, had been paying attention all along. Two of the big four had major exhibitions and gallery representation beyond the Northwest by this time, and the other two were certainly worthy of having their talent finally noted. Over the years, myths about the big four have spread and exaggerated, much like the game of telephone where each retelling changes the narrative. Yes, they knew each other, but in no way were the merry band of brothers portrayed by some art historians. Petty quarrels and jealousies divided them. Toby fought bitterly with graves, and during one of their estrangements said, He's a fake! A char charlatan, a decorator, facile, skillful, easy, a copyist. He certainly believed that Graves stole white writing from him, and Jackson Pollock as well. A friend to both, Elizabeth Willis, the photographer Mary Randlett's mother, related that when Graves came to visit, he would demand that Toby's paintings be taken down. For Toby's visits, she had to do the reverse. Graves dismissed Callahan's work as flat, no real focus, no real structure. Callahan complained privately that Anderson should not have been included in the Life article. Guy was the only one to maintain friendships with the others. Another myth is that the Big Four spent significant time in the Skagit Valley, specifically LaConnor. The Valley Museum was founded on this premise. The truth, only graves for short periods, and Guy actually lived here. Callahan may have come for visits, but Mark Toby, a true city man, came for only the occasional picnic. But no matter their personal differences and the myths that have grown up around them, graves, Toby, Callahan, and Anderson changed the art history of this region and we are all enriched for that. From Dolores Tarzan, a mint in iridescent light, a significant Mona publication, a style of art so distinctive as to compromise an artistic thumbprint. Its ingredients were a subdued palette, landscape fractured by light, and figures and animals that seem pregnant with meaning. Collectively, each of the big four used similar symbols in their painting, symbols that later showed up frequently in the works of Leo Kenny, Richard Gilkey, James Washington, Jr., both Barbara and Clayton James, and others. These included birds, an ageless symbol of transcendence, serpent, wisdom, a circle or moon, the cyclical nature of life, and the chalice, the symbol of spiritual birth. 
Add to this the spidery repetition of brushstrokes that evoke light and forms, and you have the then unique Northwest art tradition. Influence does not mean copy. Toby's meditative painting that opens the show is white writing at its most sublime. Yet, the much later Louise Cucucci with Four Seasons that ends the exhibition downstairs has the flavor of white writing in its 365 Sumi ink dots blown onto the paper through a tube. So does the untitled Greg Laniger in the seemingly more realistic work of Sheep by Ted Waddell. More direct references are seen in the works by Leo Kenny and Richard Gilkey, who actually knew the big four. Paul Heald's Moonshine is yet another adaptation of the all-over patterning of white writing. When you look closely, you will see some evidence of the tradition in many of the paintings downstairs. Of course, the mystics and their influence were not not the only soul artistic movement in the Northwest, then and now. You'll see these in the Benaroya Glass Gallery. The academic tradition, exemplified by Jacob Lawrence, Michael Spafford, and Bob Jones, and interestingly enough, their artist spouses ended up in this gallery as well, Gwen Knight, Elizabeth Sandvig, and Faye Jones. Around us in this gallery upstairs are just a few works from the vast Prusan collection. I selected them both to further the story downstairs or to delight our audience with contemporary work by artists not in our collection. This work is the future. Herb and Lucy have collected Northwest art for more than six decades. Always generous, they share their treasures broadly. In the past, we borrowed from them several times. Mona presented No Joke in 2008. A major exhibition, accompanied by a color catalog, creating the new Northwest from the Herb and Lucy Prusan collection, was at the Tacoma Art Museum in 2013. From the beginning, the Prusans chose work by artists who lived and worked in their community. As Stephanie Stebeck said in her foreword to the catalog, their commitment to new trends and ideas has provided constant and crucial support for the strengthening of the arts in the Northwest. Their paintings with clear ecological themes, Elwa by Nathan DiPietro, Building on the Cliffs of Progress by Jeb Dunkerley, and a major painting by Lisa Gilley, whose work is well known in the Skagit, and I'm pleased is now represented in a major Seattle collection. Just to mix it up, narrative figurative work, Marita Dingus, Patty Warashima, and a painting on glass by Gregory Greno. Julie Spidell's Cinevalli Totem references the mystics downstairs, as does Joseph Park's painting, Prism. And the sensitive Akio Takamori ceramic sculptures in their first appearance at Mona. I would have loved to scoop up all the Prusan Takamoris for the show, but they wanted to keep some at home. 
Again, our gratitude to Herb and Lucy for sharing all this fine work with us. As Barbara James, Mona's first curator, put it, time and art moves on, like the rivers of the Northwest, which are narrow at their source and broad as they sweep down into the valleys. Art defies limitation, ignores restraints, moves on in an endless flow, redefining itself, absorbing new influences, facing new challenges. Continuum reflects this flow. I hope you enjoy its meandering.